Hey Cones, we are back. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 135 of the Always Be Booked Cruise Podcast. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the ships that have returned to sea, a look into Carnival Mardi Gras, and some thoughts on what it's going to take for us to be cruising again. All that, some other strange ramblings, and as always, your emails. Let's get this party started. Don't call it a comeback. It's about to be on Grab a couple of cones Cause we about to be gone To the Caribbean Seven days and eight nights Got the crew coming heavy But we all packing light Yeah, we always be booked We got our drinks in the sky From New York City to the USBI Is that a full margarita, man? Finish it up Cause we about to run the beer Like Forrest Gump Finding pockets on the Lido She ain't gotta be a tenant Cause we did the things And we'll do them again Tonight's the white party But we blacking it out Cause we got the drink package And we're maxing it out Everybody come on, I said sound that horn Cause we gotta get away to where the police from Yeah Woo. All aboard and welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Always Be Booked Cruisecast show Coming to you not quite live from the K Compound down in Boca Raton, Florida lot to go over today. We've been away for a minute, as we know. Things look like they are heating up, A, in the news over here, but also there are actual real live cruise ships happening all across the world, and we are going to cover some of that. Uh, I want to talk to you first about a cruise that I have booked. So, of course, everybody knows we had the group cruise scheduled for November 7th. And unfortunately, that is a, uh, it looks like it's going to be a no-go. Now, the group is still up. Uh, as far as the regular Facebook group and all the people who, no, the non-cones, the regular cruisers, they a lot of them still carry hope with them that this sailing is going to go off. Now, I have been in that group and I have, uh, you know, kind of tried to erroneously, mistakenly, you might say, uh, try to convince them that this really is not a likely sailing to happen. I mean, do we really think that a November sailing is going to happen when cruising is, is, is illegal in North America up until, I should say the U.S., U.S. cruising is illegal up until November 1st. So it's going to be very, very difficult to convince me that within nine days, Carnival's going to have all this stuff together. And, you know, even if you can, you also have to realize, I tend to wonder what these cruise lines are booking these cruises at. Now, do you think that the ships are sold out 
at half capacity at this point. Not one of the things they're necessarily sharing with you, but like I say, if you wanted to book a cruise for, let's say, December 15th, you could right now, no problem. November 30th, December 18th, you can book all these cruises. I'm wondering how many reservations are actually being made available to the public. You know what I mean? Would they, you think they're selling them at full knowing that they're not going to cruise and there'll be refunds anyway or future cruise credits anyway? Do you think they're selling at half capacity anticipating the fact that maybe, you know, well, the reason they would do that first thing is because it's good to have cash on hand. You know what I mean? And the more cash you get from people, I don't know who's going to get refunds and who's going to book future cruises, but let's just say you have a ship that has 3,000, let's let's say 3,000 passenger capacity. If 3,000 people want to book that cruise, that's, let's just say $1,000, $2,000, whatever it is, from 3,000 people. Uh, That's good to have that cash on hand first and foremost, just from an interest standpoint. But it's also increases the likeliness of of you being able to sell that cruise at a different time. So if you are, they've already got your money, you've already spent that money, it's uh, not everybody, certain people are going to want their money back, but in general, you already have a thousand people who are on the hook, that's money already spent psychologically to them, so they say, okay, now we'll give you, if you don't get your money back, we'll give you 125% value for that money on a future cruise. And then who knows what manipulation can happen from there. You know what I mean? The price of cruising looks like, at least in the beginning, now I think these cruise lines are in for a a harsh reality. I think they're going to try to command a lot of money for these cruises in the beginning. And I think there will be a huge demand and a huge rush to go back to sea in the beginning. I think it's going to be a huge drop off once everybody gets back into cruising and they get those sea legs going again. Now, some people are going to really enjoy the experience. You know what I mean? Some people just don't want to go on a cruise ship at all until things are sorted out. So you have that percentage of people. But then you are also going to have the percentage of people that get on these cruise ships uh, they're junkies. They love cruising, but they're going to realize that first couple of um, months back, they're not going to be anything resembling cruising as they know it. You know what I mean? You, you're going to have freedoms taken away from you. You are going to be forced to wear masks. You are going to have to socially distance. They are going to uh, enforce shore excursions that are uh, cruise line led, cruise line sponsored cruise lines, uh, cruise, shore excursions. So, you're going to have a certain amount of people that said, hey, I went back to cruising. It's not the same. I'm waiting this out. So I think that for those reasons, there's going to be a huge demand in the beginning, and then a real wall is going to get hit, and there'll be a real drop-off. And I think if you're looking for optimal pricing, that's going to happen sooner than later after the restart happens. But the reason I was saying that, the whole point of that little tangent was that uh, the, the cruise lines – can, at least in the beginning, possibly manipulate pricing somewhat. So if you give somebody 125% cruise credit, who's to say that there's a big demand in the beginning and you just don't increase the price of the cruises, thus making you 25% that you gave them? Or you just suck it up and eat that loss. It's still, okay, so you're getting a cruise that's 25. You're basically, if you're talking uh, from the standpoint of Carnival, Royal Caribbean, any of these companies, you're giving a 25% discount on the cruise, which during tough times would make sense. It's way better 
than having to just give out a refund and never get that customer back again, or at least not get them back on that sailing. So those are some of the things that I think are um, going to come into play when the restart happens. So I did uh, have this you know, cruise booked. And yes, there are a bunch of people who still are hopeful that it's going to happen. Now, I stop short of saying there's absolutely no way it's going to happen. I do stop short of that. I'm just looking at everything right now, and it's just all signs point to it being very, very difficult. Uh, a very, very, let's call it, I don't know, less than realistic that I think this sailing is actually going to take place. What do you guys think? For a November 9th cruise, I know the vast majority of you are going to say no. It's crazy because you look on Cruise Critic and they did it again. They did it last week with Carnival and they did it this week again with Royal Caribbean. And the headline, I guess they'll do this on slow news days, and the headline will say, when Carnival expects to return to service. And then this last one was, when Royal Caribbean expects to return to service. And you know what they write? They basically write down a list of sailings that are scheduled to go out as soon as... As of right now, the shutdown date expires. So, I mean, anybody could do that, right? So you take the date, they say, okay, uh, clear self-imposed, no no sale order up until October 31st. So they just go in, okay, well, what's scheduled after October 31st? And then they just list the ships and list those dates. Now, some of them are listed after, halfway through uh, November, some of them are listed, you know, maybe a couple of weeks after November. I don't know what the basis of that was, but there's no indication here that there's any inside information that these are actual real dates. My point is, is that I truly believe that nobody knows yet. I say it on the Patreon all the time. Uh, the thing about it is, is that there are many determining factors that will say when you are going to be able to get a chance to go back to sea. Many of them, many significant factors, but the main factor, it's far and away the biggest one. It's far and away the one that will most decide if you're ever going to, well, not ever, but if you're going to be able to get on a cruise ship again in the near future is what this virus does. If it starts to go away, if it starts to look like it's under control, which you got to say over the last week or so, the news has been better. I've been following it just for purposes of the Patreon or whatever. Uh, it, it's it's been better, but at this point, it does appear that we are still a good ways away from being able to, you know, you even even begin the first sailing. Can you imagine? There is going to be so much of pomp and circumstances surrounding that first cruise. Which cruise will be the actual first cruise to set sail? If as long as it's safe, as long as the protocols are followed and established and all that stuff. I would imagine it's almost like an arms race to see which sailing will go first because you can bet there will be a whole bunch of important people. There'll be a whole bunch of there may even be fireworks, there'll be speeches, there'll be uh, you know, a lot of a lot of congratulating going on. Uh, you know, that's just me, you know, being pessimistic about corporate America, but hey, listen, they should. I mean, it's going to be a great moment. We're all waiting for it. Uh, looking forward to it. So, I am still currently booked on that November 7th cruise. The last conversation I had with a personal vacation planner in the group's department had said that I would be able to get 
a final payment extension date, which I did. So now we are up to September 1st. So, of course, it's a standoff. I only got a couple of hundred dollars of skin in the game at this point. You know what I mean? But it would be nice if we can wait around for a cruise line cancellation so that we can get that whole thing back. Now, if we cancel before the cruise line cancels... Yes, and if it's a non-refundable deposit, the situation I happen to be in, uh, that couple of hundred dollars is going to fly by the wayside. But, hey, listen, we're going to get through it. Uh, so what I did was, oh, I also had an October cruise booked. So that October 5th cruise was going to be on Celebrity Equinox, and I was really excited about that cruise because it was going to be on a new cruise line, a new ship, and all sorts of new ports of call that I hadn't been to. We're talking Barbados. We're talking St. Croix. We're talking uh, uh, St. Lucia. A couple of others. I was pumped about that. I had never been to that deep southeast uh, cr- uh, cruise. I've never been on that deep south cruise itinerary. I was really, really looking forward to doing that. I had no idea, again, how beautiful St. Lucia was. I still don't, obviously, because I've never been there. But the pictures online and I, I mean it's it's like something different guys have you ever been to st lucia it's definitely something different i you know it almost has like a little bit of a polynesian hawaiian vibe to it you know what i mean it is a pretty remote destination but hey listen so that that's not going to happen this time around that cruise was canceled and again that was a deal from you are comped you know and shout out to matt uh and also shout out to Tyler and uh, everybody over at URComp. What, what I was able to do, what you all you have to do is go to URComp.com, and they are not a sponsor. I'm just saying I got a free nine-day cruise out of it, so I'm going to share the information with you. You just set up a bunch of, uh, I guess, set up accounts with gambling uh, institutions, whether it's the land-based casino, whether it's the cruise casino, whatever gambling that could prove that you are a quote-unquote player. And then once you do that, you start getting offers. A lot of times, even if you don't go to the casinos, they'll just send you offers. You take those offers that you get from those third-party uh, gambling institutions, and you f- make yourself an account with URCompt, the letter U, the letter R, Compt. And then you funnel those offers into your profile, and then you start building, I guess, what would you say, some equity with the company in that you are a quote-unquote player. And then it can take a while. The process can seem a little ambiguous at times, but you eventually get it approved on an offer for a cruise. And these cruises are, I guess, maybe ships that are uh, a little bit difficult to fill up. They work with UR Comp and they set you up with a situation where you are just basically getting a free cruise. I'm we're getting a free balcony. So we were on that you are on that cruise for celebrity. We were getting a balcony on the Celebrity Equinox for nine days to the deep southern Caribbean. I mean, we had to pay taxes and port charges. That cruise is canceled. Not ideal. Okay? Not ideal. But we were able to change it with another cruise. So we're looking for a bunch of cruises, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. And a lot of you do know Patreonic people. A lot of you don't know. But it does look like, at this point, I will be traveling back up north to New York for a little while. I'd make some big speech and have some ceremony about it. But at this point, this is just not news. I think it's, at this point, anytime I transfer myself between New York and Florida, it is going to be like a, a like a ho-hum day. It's like, oh, okay. 
So all is Tommy's Tommy's randomly going back and forth from Florida to New York. It's just another day. You know what I mean? So we're not going to make a big deal out of that, but it looks like that's going to happen. But so I did set up this cruise to leave out of New York. Uh, also going with Chris. I was very very happy, and I was not expecting this at all. But it does look like it turns into an impromptu mini group cruise. We have all sorts of people that are interested, if not booked, on this cruise. Now, when they're meaning they're booked, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going because you have Celebrity and Royal Caribbean. They're pretty good about the grace period as far as when you reserve the room. They give you a good three to five days before you actually have to put the deposit down. So there's people in there that have rooms reserved, and I'm hoping they all go. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Scott and Kara. First of all, they're in. They're going. They're paid. You know what I mean? Uh, You have Debbie Parker looking into that. You have Sandra looking into that. You know, I think probably my buddy Joe is going to end up on that ship. You have Matt and Thelma discussing it. Uh, Carol, shout out to Carol. She's thinking about maybe making the run with us. Um, So hopefully it'll happen. You know what I mean? Well, it's going to happen for us. So now this is why I picked this cruise. Out of New York City, on Celebrity... And instead of going to the Deep South Caribbean, I did replace one Caribbean cruise port itinerary with another that I have not sailed on. Now, we are going to the beautiful, sunny, warm, tropical island destination of, get it, ready? Charleston, South Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. It is funny. And normally, I would never look into a cruise that is going to South Carolina, but on this particular cruise... You know, we have a full day there. I'm talking 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I've always heard so much good things about South Carolina. Well, Tommy, you can always go to South Carolina. You could always, yeah, but you know what? You could always, you know, can't always do it on a beautiful ship at a great price and tie it into what I'm very, very excited for, which is three days in Aruba. I'm sorry, Aruba. No, that would be (laughs) Bermuda. So we're doing three days in Bermuda. That's two overnights and three full days. So, I mean, I've never been to Bermuda. I've been excited about be- going to Bermuda. This cruise is going to be on er, in early June. So shout out to Chris, CJ Pepito, CJ Sancocho, you might say, dare I say. But he, you know, I had this thing, you know what, let's do May because, you know, May's closer. You want to get it. You want to get you want to get on a cruise. But no, he said, listen, you got to be careful. Because Bermuda, you forget, is even with the Carolinas from a latitudinal standpoint. So you don't necessarily want to get into a situation where you're going to run the risk of who knows what the weather's going to do. June, you should be out of the water. You should be, you should be, the, the, the coast should be clear in June. But yeah, May can be hit or miss. But I'm excited about that. Shout out to Sandra because she is going to be the one that kind of leads the charge. I've never been to Bermuda. We're going to look for some nice bars. Listen, this is not, uh, none of this, I'll be honest with you, none of this is how I would draw it up as an itinerary. I wouldn't go to Celebrity first. I wouldn't pick this ship first. But by the way, I've been looking uh, looking at this ship online. It's a little bit of an older ship, but boy, did they do a great job maintaining this ship. And they just uh, refurbished the whole entire thing. So it looks like a new ship. It really does, but it really is almost 20 years old. Also, I I wouldn't pick these, you know, these, these destinations 
first and foremost. But I think the beauty of this is that it's going to check off a bunch of boxes. And here's the thing. Frank Sinatra was slipping in and out of, I guess, uh, lucidness, you'd say. During the end, they would always say Frank Sinatra was kind of like, you might want to say dementia, you might whatever you want to say. I don't know what the medical term for what he was suffering was. But he would be around everybody, and they would hang out with him, you know, former Rat Pack hangers-on and other people, other celebrities. They'd hang out all the time. They'd get together, even when Frank was kind of down and out. Those guys who hung out with him got used to his kind of like uh, slipping out of it. And they got into the habit a lot of times of saying and having conversations around him. You know what I mean? So it's almost like your kid or like an older, older adult, a senior that, you know, and everybody else is kind of like talking. They're in the mix. And they know Frank Sinatra's, you know, seen his best days. He's probably not keeping up with the conversation. Per se. So, you know, nobody's obviously nobody's disrespecting him, but it's almost like it's you may what do you want to call it? A little dismissive, like a little bit more like, okay, well he's you know, we're in here, we're having a conversation that's moving fast. Frank is clearly not, you know, so he's kind of in the in the in the back, in the cut a little bit. But uh they were having a, a, a detailed discussion about like where the best place in the world is. And someone was saying, Hawaii, are you kidding me? No, no, it's it's Bali, no, it's uh it's, it's this place, they, you know, South America, it's the Caribbean. They were having these deep discussions and argument, dare I say, about the best places in the world. And then out of nowhere, Frank, who hadn't said anything in the conversation for a good 15, 20 minutes, under his breath, low, because his voice was weak at that moment, just said, he just came out and said, where your friends are? They were like, what, what, did you say something, Frank? What did you, what did you just say, Frank? Sorry, what did you say, Frank? And he perked up a little bit and said, the best place in the world, that's what you're talking about, right? They said, yeah. He goes, the best place in the world is where your friends are. And they all kind of just stopped, shook their head, and were like, damn, leave it to Frank. He's still he's still in there, man, and he's going to drop a gem like that, and that's absolutely true. And that applies to this damn sailing. If we can get a you know nice group cruise going together, you know, it's a beautiful ship. Fun destination and uh, fun destinations and uh, the right group of people together, we are going to have an absolute blast. So, this is a replacement cruise for that one that we were going to do in the deep southern Caribbean, but we're still very, very excited about it. And man, you could imagine how excited I was when I found out that a few of the cones out there, dare I say super cones, are considering or strongly considering taking this sailing with us. And hey, guys, listen, I'm not out here to try to sell you. But I will remind you, you miss 100% of the cruises you don't book. (laughs) All right, I told you guys, it's not news anymore that I uh, go back and forth from Florida to New York. But, you know, like Billy Joel says, life is a series of hellos and goodbyes. And I'm afraid right now, my friend, it's time for goodbye again. And that means Florida. Man, it is really, I am such, I really have made a concerted effort to stop being that dude, that grass is on the, the grass is greener on the other side, dude, because someone just blew me away. I've been saying grass is greener on the other side for so long and saying how I got to get out of that mindset. Uh, But then 
someone did put me out of that mindset, or maybe it was a meme, whatever it was. It said the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is green where greener where you water it, and that made a hundred percent sense to me. It just said what I already was saying, and that the wrong decision is not the worst thing that can happen. No decision is the worst thing that can happen. So as long as you make a decision and then fuel that decision, you know what I mean. Uh, build on that decision. You're going to be all right. But in this regard, this move is in the wake of all this crazy stuff that's happening in the world today. We're all finding ourselves in precarious situations as far as money, as far as what our emotions are, uh, you know, what we're feeling, as far as everything. It's just, I don't know, you know, you could say the people who are affected. I don't see anybody that's not in some way, shape, or form affected by this, uh, the whole world. Everybody in the entire world is affected by this thing. And honestly, that's why this is a very unique time because I don't know if there is ever a time when you could ever say that. The entire world is affected in one way, shape, or form by this pandemic. Truly, truly strange times. And uh, yes, I am very, very much hoping to see what we're going to be able to do and how quickly we can get to the other side of this thing. But uh, because of this whole thing and because I just got to get some income happening. You know what I mean? I got to get some income coming in. Uh, I got to get a regular stream, a job. Also, you know, it's not just monetary. It is, you know, I, if, if the world was going on as normal, cruising was happening, uh, everything was kind of on its regular axis, I would have no problem toughening out down here and making sure always be booked. And I was in a position to make sure I always be booked from all, I guess, facets was was improving, was heading in the right direction. But how are you? How am I going to sit here and say that, you know what, things are going to be normal, you're just going to power through this, the money's going to start rolling in when you can't even take a cruise ship yet. And I guess, like I said, let's face it, there is still no indication of when we will ab- when we will actually be able to sail again. While I do think it's going to happen, and I do think, you know, some people are saying halfway through next year, you know what I mean, to the first sailing happens. I don't think that's the case. Uh, we'll talk later about what I specifically think is the deal when it comes to our return to service. But I will say, you got to remember, all these people out there that are telling you they know, no, I'm telling you I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm using my cruise IQ and my 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 the fact that I have a a finger on the pulse of the industry, as you guys know. Uh, you could take that as sarcasm or not, but uh, you know, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna put out like a little bit of a what I think is gonna happen and what what I think is gonna transpire. And the beauty of that is is that it's on record. You're hearing it right now, so we'll know if I'm right or not. But it is what it is. So. I have not done anything yet for this move. At this point, I am supposed to start a job. And, you know, if you if you know last time I went up to work at the Ainsworth in New York City. In this, uh, this time, I am going to work at the Ainsworth again. But it will be on Long Island. I mean, it is a shame when you look around and you see what has been happening to New York City. And, um, you know... It just it does it doesn't seem like it's going to come back anytime soon. Of course, New York will be back. All the major cities, Los Angeles, wherever else, you know, it looks like they're going to go away for a little while. I do think they will be back, but you know, again, life is a series of hellos and goodbyes, and I think this is going to be goodbye for a minute because I do think the existing machine that are these cities right now, 
the change is just too drastic. And, you know, you want to talk about, uh, you know, a perfect storm type of a scenario happening here with, you know, you have the safety issues. Okay, so whatever you want to say about politics, the mayor there has not done a good job in keeping people safe. The crime is absolutely out of control. Uh, A lot of police officers have been deterred from, let's just say, not taking advantage of their retirement opportunities. So there were record amounts of retirements going on with the NYPD forces. there was uh, there's a tons of stuff going on that would make it feel like if you are walking around New York City in certain areas that, you know, and it not, you know, listen, it's there. I'm getting firsthand information from people that, yes, you are seeing, you know, needles being, uh, people are indulging in heroin on the streets, whereas normally that would be completely shut down. There's just bigger fish to fry and police uh, are stretched thin and they're not even kind of like really watching out for that type of stuff. They're just kind of allowing that to go on. Violent crimes, people are looking the other way. People are, I guess, or maybe just not getting to it. You're also talking about business. You know what I mean? You're talking about business in that all of these companies are seeing that it's efficient and cost-effective to have people work from home, okay? And, of course, many corporations are going to have people return to the office as soon as possible, but there's going to be a large percentage of people, a large percentage of people who did not see their business affected whatever it is, or or they will deem that people working from home, that model was just as efficient. So maybe they had four or five floors within a major office building. Maybe they cut that down to two floors. So that's just going to be a real estate economic crisis that's going to kind of hit commercially that, you know, really hasn't reared its, uh, you know, the effects of that have not been felt yet, but they will. And then you have the restaurant industry. Uh I think that's the one, I guess, maybe kind of cool thing is that people just take the restaurant industry, you know, prior to this as just, you know, okay, this is where I go to eat. Yeah, you have some servers, you know, they're probably trying to be actors and actresses, at least in the big city. But they don't realize now how they didn't they haven't realized up until this point how much of an economic impact the restaurant industry now psychologically when it comes to the, um, you know, the guests and the diners and the drinkers. But financially when it when you got a whole entire force of people out of work i mean that is talk about the owners who are getting air, their asses kicked thousands of restaurants have shut down you're talking about the people who are out of work that's an economic disaster and that's just uh you know to be honest right now it's new york city it hasn't really reared its head in long island as much long island has come back a little bit. They are allowing inside dining. Now, is that a wise move or not? I don't know. Uh, but that's what they're doing. So it's just basically new, the con- specifically Manhattan. Yeah, a little bit in Queens, a little bit in Brooklyn, you know, Bronx, but the real effect has been felt in Manhattan, which was in so many ways, the financial, the cultural, the uh, the capital of the world. New York City, you'd probably have to say, is as important of a city as there is in the world. And uh, right now, New York City, unfortunately, is in big, big trouble. But so where we stand is that I have not done a whole lot. I still don't have an apartment in Long Island. I still don't have a mode of transportation to get there. We're talking it's the 25th. 
And uh, I'm looking to get there in probably, we are looking at about 17 days or so. You know what I mean? About just under three weeks. Between two and three weeks is when I'm going to look to get there. But there's a lot of planning to do. There's a lot lot to happen. And it's crazy because just, this just comes in the wake of me announcing that we are back. Always Be Booked podcasts will continue. They will happen every Wednesday. You guys were hysterical when you were kind of, uh, you know, I guess sarcastically jabbing at me by changing my little graphic saying select Wednesdays or every other Wednesday or sometimes on Wednesdays because you guys, I know, I got a track record. I deserve every bit of that. But hey, listen, like I said, sometimes you might shock the world. We'll see. Um, Shout out to Beatrix. So I did mention a couple of weeks ago on the Patreon that I did go uh, on a on a staycation, you might want to call it, to uh, Key West. You know, I, I'll be quick with it. All I'll say is that it wasn't the same. I don't, you want to get away, all this psychological, I guess, uh, you know, baggage that we're dealing with right now with this shutdown and us not being able to do this, everybody telling us what we can and can't do. Uh, we just, life has just changed. And you know what? I wanted a slice of normalcy. I wanted to go to Key West and I wanted to kind of get into those tropical vibes. I wanted to maybe reach out and grab a little bit of that island life. So I decided to take matters into my own hands and, you know, try to convince JP, my buddy Joe, that let's go down there and do it. I mean, the drive is half the fun, you know, all that stuff. But I will say, once you get there, it's just not there. It really was a forced, I feel feel it was forced. You know, we were walking up and down Duval Street and, you know, you can go into places and everybody has that nervous smile. Yeah, you can come in, but you can't go to the bar. Yes, you can order, but you know what? You got to you gotta get a temperature check. Yeah, you can uh, take your mask off, but you can't do it until you sit down. Now, again, I'm not saying that any of that stuff is, you know, wrong. We shouldn't be doing it. I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing any of that stuff. However, I will just say it's just not the idea when you go on a vacation, you want to kind of get away. You know what I mean? You want to feel like you're actually somewhere and you're carefree. You're not that at this point. I am totally glad I did it. It was nice to get away. I was happy that I got to see the boys and we got some sun in. But to be honest with you, it does have a little bit of, um, you know, it just it looms over you that things are not normal right now. So having said that, again, I'll probably end up going back with Beatrix. You know what I mean? Beatrix is a little bit different story. Beatrix is uh, more like it's, you know, sometimes it is like a solo vacation with her because she'll do her thing. She has no problem separating for six hours and doing exactly what she wants to do. Uh, I will do the same. Uh, It's definitely less of a drinking and partying aspect with Beatrix. So that's, that's fine. And I'm totally fine with that. You know, so, and again, the cases are very, very low down in what is Monroe County. It's, it's, you know, as far as being safe, obviously nowhere is completely safe, but it is pretty, uh, by comparison, they're doing very, very well down there in Monroe County, which is where all the keys are. That's pretty much it. So I did want to get into, you know, we're talking about getting back to service and I talk about a list of things that have to happen in order for us to be able to get back to cruising. And I am happy to see that a good amount of that stuff has started. And I'm talking about large ships 
actually going on cruises. So I think in terms of some of the stuff that has happened in the industry so far, I wanted to pick out a few of the key sailings that I think led or eventually will lead to us being able to get back. And I think this is important for all of us to listen to and kind of monitor because what happens over there is eventually how it's going to slowly happen here. And think about it. We still have, you know, as far as a country, if America, if, if, if you're talking about countries as zones, America is still very much a hot spot. So as far as us being even permitted to go into a lot of ports of call, that's probably a little bit of a ways away as well. So, you know, even if you do cruise on these first sailings that do come out from this country, uh, from North America, you know, Miami, Caribbean, Texas, they're going to be modified itineraries, I would think. But let's talk about what's been going on around the world right now. You have uh, the TUI cruise line, TUI, TUI, whatever you want to say it. It's a German cruise line, and they have a ship called the Mein Schiff 2, okay? And that cruise ship sailed from Hamburg. It headed to the North Sea, kind of like, it kind of floated around Norway a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Now, this was a very modest cruise. Big ship, a big enough ship. On Friday, July 24th, they did a little bit of a weekend cruise, and they returned Monday, so it was, what, three days? They did not stop at all at any ports. The occupancy was at 60%. So you had a cruise ship that was able to carry close to 3,000 people, sailing with about 1,200 of those people. Uh, some of the steps that they took to make sure this was going to be as safe as possible. Now, the crew went under a two-week isolation before they went anywhere. So they did that. There was a mandatory, now not six, but five feet of social distancing that was deemed to be appropriate and I, I guess enforced wherever possible. All the cruisers did have to fill out a health questionnaire, and that health questionnaire has gotten so much attention for so many years. It was like, you know, who really is honest on that health questionnaire? Well, I'll say this. You better be honest on it now. (laughs) I mean, if you have to fill out a negative form, you shouldn't be. If you're feeling like you have flu-like symptoms, you shouldn't be showing up to a cruise port, which ultimately you may think that might make the... uh, questionnaire irrelevant but at the same time it's still out there and i realize that as much as it is for purposes of deciding whether you can sail or not you know you can write down that you're feeling some flu-like symptoms you know i'm talking about in regular days past and they'll still let you on the ship i think this was more of a legal thing so that they can go back to and say hey you know this person you know if there is a huge outbreak if there are problems, they can go back and look at those health questionnaires and say, well, you know what? This person did say that they had some flu-like symptoms, and that probably protects them a little bit from any uh, you know, known spreading or anything that they might be liable for. They are doing temperature checks. Uh, they were not testing. They were not requiring testing from my knowledge. Uh, from I, I could be actually not 100% on that, but I, I didn't see that they were actually requiring any testing to happen. Okay, so that was the the Mind Chief 2, uh, and that was the first cruise. That was a huge, huge thing that happened when that ship set sail. You know, that should have went with a bunch of pomp and circumstances because that was the first large ship 
to set sail, albeit very modest, very short, no no land-based excursions or anything like that, but it did happen. Now, following on the heels of that, on July 26th, the Genting or Genting, however you want to say it, Dream Cruises from Genting exhaled the Explorer Dream. That's a large cruise ship. Like I said, July 26th, they went on a four-day sailing throughout its local waters. Okay, That's in Taiwan. They sailed out of Keelung, Taiwan. And uh, they did some local island hopping. They went to Penghu, Matsu Island, and Kinmen. So they kept it local. They made their own, if you will, like a little bit of a bubble for themselves, for Genting. But again... This was historic in that, obviously, it's any cruise at that point with a large ship is historic, that they actually did hit up some islands. So you had a four-day sailing. And hey, listen, I always say it all the time. What you want is progress, no matter how large, no matter how small. If you see things getting better, there is a reason to build hope around that increasing progress you just don't want to stay the same is all and we're not staying the same we're getting better with each and every sailing including the a a real game changer in the msc grandiosa and i want to give a shout out to emma from emma cruises or cruising isn't just for old people she put out a really comprehensive video she had some people close to the situation she clearly if she wasn't close to the situation she made herself close to the situation she got uh, from from people on board who were friends of hers to crew that she got access to she really covered this thing well and what this thing was is the first seven night cruise visiting actual Ports of call. Now, to MSC's credit, you have to give it to them. They spent almost $600,000, and they're going to have to continue to spend almost $600,000 on each sailing to make the ship as safe as possible. We're talking about testing facilities. We're talking about extra man and woman power. We're talking about equipment. We're talking about all sorts of changes that they had to make to the fixtures in the ship to make it so that this ship was going to be as safe as possible. And you got to give it to them. They're clearly cutting deep into their profits by doing that. But also, they are having a vision. They are realizing that it's worth it because you know what? This is not only functional, it's symbolic to be able to have these giant leaps made in the cruising industry. They're taking the lead is what they're doing. And, you know, ideally, I know damn well MSC is not going to want to spend $600,000 on sailings going forward. But in order to get this thing out and get in front of this thing, you may want to kind of cut into your profits a little bit. And that's what they're doing. Everybody had to be screened and tested prior to boarding this sailing. Okay. Now, this is a seven-dayer. Now, the cruise ship was about 70% full. So I think that probably meant there was just a little over a 1,000 guests. Masks were everywhere inside. Now, they wanted you to wear the mask, whether you're in the hallways, whether you're walking around the dining room, whether you're, I guess, just kind of navigating around theaters too, like if a theater let out. If there was a show and everybody was dispersing from the theater, you know, they want you to put your mask on because, you know, walking through that lobby, they think it's going to be a high traffic area and they're trying to mitigate the spread, which is understanding. Uh, Social distancing is being mandated everywhere, which, again, is always to me is like just so hard to manage, monitor and enforce. But I guess, you know, all you can do is take your best shot at it. This was an Italian sailing. 
it was going to only Italian ports with only Italian passengers. So they were establishing a bit of a bubble, you know, hoping to keep everything tight inside the whole Italy, I guess, uh, Italy framework there. Big Brother bracelet, okay? There was a bracelet that you got. It uh, This was a very, very convenient thing. It was like a cruise card, not unlike the medallion on Princess. They gave you a bracelet, bracelet and, you know, it was for... Uh, I guess, uh, you know, convenience purposes. But at the same time, it was to monitor you 100% to make sure, you know, they can tell you everywhere you've been. And I guess, you know, you can argue that, you know, when, you know, don't ever let a crisis go to waste, you can also argue that, you know what, while it is a little freaky and creepy that they know exactly where you've been, exactly where you're going, they could exactly tell you and pinpoint where you are. In this case, you have to kind of do give it to them a little bit in that if there is an outbreak, they'll be able to find out who you were with. They will be able to find out where you were. And in that case, they would be able to shut that down Uh, or at least not shut it down. Just kind of like get a handle on it. Get in from it's basically information. You know what I mean? To put yourself in the best position to try to make things as safe as possible for everybody. But I'm hoping that, you know, do this because it seems necessary for now. But down the road, I don't want that to be any sort of new normal where you are mandated to go on a cruise. If you go on a cruise, you're mandated to have this bracelet that will track everywhere you go. I am uh, a proud American who loves freedom. I am also a realist and I'm like, you know what? If we have to, for the greater good, sacrifice a little bit of that freedom temporarily, I happen to be on the side of that, okay? So for now, so long-term, we'll see. I mean, it went so far as to, they kicked the family off the ship. That made big news. There was a family that, you know, what was mandated was that all shore excursions would have to be done by the cruise line. You know, why? Why? what is the cruise line? I guess their tour guides and their excursions, you know, they were trained. They were basically trained to make sure that everything was sanitized, that social distancing was going to be upheld. Now, if you got off the ship and went and did your own thing, they lose the ability to track that. They don't know how safe the people that you're going with are being. You know what I mean? They don't they, they don't really have recourse to enforce their own measures of safety. So there for that reason they're saying everybody on shore excursions has to do it with us. So this one family decided to put that to the test. And let's just say MSC passed their test with flying colors. They did break off and try to do an excursion that was not cruise line sanctioned. And they were expeditiously asked to not return to the ship. They are trying to uh, return to uh, not a full, but a few more sailings. They'll they'll get semi-regular by September. And hopefully we'll see where it goes from there. Now, Costa, let's talk about Costa Cruise Lines. They are looking to restart their service in the beginning of September. Like that's going to be their first sailing. They are also going to do residents of Italy only. The first sailing will be the Deliciosa. Kind of makes me hungry saying the name of that ship. It's going to be out of Trieste. And they are also going to go only to Italian ports. They're also going to have the uh, Diadema. And that's going to be on September 19th out of Genoa. And that's also going to go to Italian ports. That's going to do a couple of stops when it ends up in Rome. They are going to have very, very similar health and safety protocols. They're going to kind of take a lot of the pages. And that's why it was so important, guys. That's what I'm trying to tell you, why it was so important for MSC to do what it did. 
because now there is a model. Costa, especially for Costa because that's also an Italian line, they are going to use that model that MSC put together and put similar rules in place, similar regulations, similar protocols in place. So you have to love all of that because you know what? There's going to be a lot of mistakes. A lot of this stuff is just going to flat out not make sense. It's just going to not work. But they're going to be able to, and shout out to these cruise lines, because they're doing us a tremendous service. We are going to have a model. All right, and we got breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news I just saw on Facebook. Paul Ewing, legendary Paul Ewing, a pirate and a peer runner, will be joining us on the Celebrity Summit. This is getting good, guys. This really is. I'm very, very happy about how this is all transpiring. But, all right, so I did want to talk also about some of the, let's say, not-so-glorious returns. You know, when you're going to have, when you're trying to rebuild, a lot of times you're going to have setbacks. And there were a couple of setbacks, and let's just call it what it is. They are small ships, small boats. So you had two cruise lines that came back. Well, let's say one of them was a little hasty for sure. Now, that is Hurtigruten. Hurtigruten is a small boat line all over the place. They They run like ships in various sizes. It's an expedition cruise line. And what these are, are, like I said, smaller ships, they hold less people, and they offer like a little bit more of an immersive uh, vacation. You, you know, you're doing a little, lot more activities, it's a lot more educational, it's not as much of a, let's just say, carefree, tropical pleasure cruise. Now, Hurtigruten, very reputable company, they tried to go back and did, run a sailing, but they were very, very negligent. They put together a very detailed list of safety protocols, of which they did not adhere to. And the biggest mistake, the crew, their crew, there were 36 crew members that tested positive on board. So this is an absolute disaster. Not only did they not properly quarantine the crew and test the crew uh, before boarding the ship, they actually realized that this happened there were crew members who were infected, like 36 one day and a couple more the, another day. So I think in all, of like 41 crew members. There were passengers as well because of the crew. But what they did was they found out that this happened and they still let people get off the ship at one of the ports. So there's a bunch of ports of call. And it's more like these ships are a lot like they're not like regular cruising. They, it's all about getting off the ship. It's all about immersing yourself into the culture of where you're going. And they didn't they let the show go on knowing that there were infected crew members. And of course, subsequent to the whole thing, you are going to hear about all the amount of uh, guests that were affected. And, uh, you know, a, a good amount of guests on this ship were affected. And that was really, really annoying because, you know, People don't understand that this is a cruise ship. To to people outside the industry, this is a cruise. And this is a cruise ship. And this is like a big sea. I told you so for all those people who want to poo-poo cruising or want to say that cruising shouldn't happen again. The other issue was with a, a, a small boat company called Uncruise. And in the very name, you see what they're going for. They're good, trying to say, like, this, listen, this is not a, we're on the water. We're on a boat, but this is not a cruise per se. This is us getting together and fully diving into the places that we're going, exotic locations. You're going to get a real feel for the destinations that you're visiting. 
this kind of grabbed on my heartstrings a little bit because I followed it. I saw a gentleman by the name of Dan Blanchard. He is the CEO of Uncruises. And he went live on Facebook on the day that they were going to return to service and just kind of gave a tour of the ship and uh, interacted with some of the crew. And he actually started crying because he was just so happy of all the months of hard work getting back to service that this was going to be the day that they finally did. And this was a milestone, too, because this was while it was a small ship. You know what I mean? The thing only holds under just under 100 people and at like 50 percent capacity. I think they were at like 40 people. They had on this ship. Very, very light. Uh, they were traveling very light. So this was going to be a milestone because this is was this was in Alaska. This was the only cruise ship, the only crew, small boat cruise ship, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is. This is the only passenger vessel that was going to be in Alaska for the entire season. Okay, but. You know, you could tell this is a is a you know family run company, and the guy was just so uh, emotional through the video and how proud he was of all the hard work. He was so congratulatory to his entire crew, and this was such a huge moment. You watched them set sail on the Facebook Live. They went out. This was big. The very next day comes back, ladies and gentlemen. There's been a case of Corona on board that cruise ship, and. Uh, what did that mean? That means that they're coming home, and that means that entire Alaska season is canceled. Very, very disappointing. So what happened when they got back? They got back. They got off the ship. They all went to a hotel. They were quarantined, retested again, retested again. Guess what happened? Nobody was Nothing spread. And even the guy who initially was tested who tested positive was found to be negative. So... What you're looking at is basically a false positive. So there really was no cases on board this cruise. So the entire cruise was canceled. The entire Alaska season was canceled. And this was our one little shot at having any resemblance of cruising as we know it sail in North America, albeit Alaska. We're not going to Turks and Caicos here. But it shut down. So those are not necessarily the things we want to focus on. We want to focus on the positive and the, you know, the the what we can build on to get cruising back to North America, to the Caribbean and these types of places. And I think we're on our way. But switching gears, let's talk about a very very probably the most anticipated ship to come out uh, that will be coming out and that is the Carnival Mardi Gras. Now it is not necessarily for me to jump in and get excited about these crazy, huge, giant ships. I like a, I like a large ship, a good, big ship, 3,000, 4,000 people. But when you're talking about, you know, these next level kind of, you know, crazy over the top mega ships, while I do love them because I like just being on them. Because of how vast it is and how because of how big it is, it doesn't always necessarily make for the type of cruise that I'm looking to take. But this one I am absolutely obsessed with because, in my opinion, Carnival attacked a lot of the problems and a lot of the issues that I've seen with some of the some of the larger ships and some of the Carnival ships for that matter too. And there still is so much to be 
discovered about this ship. We're still a ways away from it actually, you know, sailing. Obviously, we know that because of the shutdown. But just in general, it's still a ways away. It's not nearly finished yet. But there are a bunch of things on this ship that I think are worth talking about that are, let's see, so far have been released, but they're in a different direction from what a lot of other ships in general and carnival ships are. So I did go into a detailed deck-by-deck analysis of this on the Patreon. Uh, by the way, that's a Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash booked. If you'd like to support the show and get an extra show every single day of the week, check out the Patreon. It's $5 a month, and uh, you're supporting this show, and you are getting daily entertainment. Uh, ideally, it's entertaining at a uh, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash always be booked so check that out if you are so inclined let's start in mardi gras with the theater so i'm not going to necessarily dive as deep as i did on the patreon but we will talk about some of the highlights and some of the things that are different on this ship that are that i'm quite frankly i'm very excited about so the theater we'll start with the theater this time, they are reimagining the whole kind of main show lounge or whatever you want to call it. It's got an ultra-modern kind of uh, um, uh, motif, and they got rid of all the blind spots. A big issue for the theater was that these pillars would come down, and it would be tough to see if you were sitting sitting in certain sections. They got rid of all that. They got rid of the blind spots, and you know, it's a clear view of the stage from anywhere you're sitting in the theater also it looks like they did away with those really annoying movable seats as well they they had these chairs that you could sit in but if you didn't like exactly where you were sitting you could move it six feet to the right six inches to the left wherever you wanted to do and uh it was a little to me it was a little confusing it caused for a little bit of chaos in the theater uh, as well as the fact that they just did that so that they can get those chairs out of there and turn that venue, that ultra-spacious venue, into the nightclub, which really was just not well thought out at all. That just was never going to work. A nightclub on a cruise ship needs to, you know, if you want to make a nightclub work, the worst thing to do, I mean, the worst thing to do is to have it be too big and feel too cavernous and not have an energy inside the place. And, you know, I don't. I'm not saying how. It, I'm not saying square footage. I'm saying what are you expecting? How much do you expect to push that nightclub? Are you expecting expecting it to be a highly uh, promoted area? If you are, you can make it a little bit bigger. But if it's going to be an oh by the way type of place, but you want to generate energy because there is nothing worse than a nightclub that doesn't have energy. Uh, what you want to do is put it in a giant theater that you know you're never going to fill. But uh, it seems like, you know, the seats are stationary. Now, the one thing I used to like about the old uh, Farkas ships are the theaters that have that ultra spacious leg room and they have the drink table in front of you. You really kind of felt like that was like a little bit of a throwback, like you were at the Copacabana or something. You know, you felt like you had space. You can kind of really chill out that long bench style seating and then intermittently they would have those drink tables and then you wouldn't have to deal with the row in front of you for a good, you know, I would say maybe four or five feet. And that was nice. I really did enjoy that because you just felt very comfortable. You sat down, you got to kind of chill out and enjoy your space. Now, this is more of a traditional seated area, organized seats where you're kind of fighting for that armrest. But either way, it is an improvement, in my opinion, from, you know, the, the theaters on the Vista class of ships. Uh, what the interesting they did, I don't know, I don't know if I'm excited for it or 
It's just worth noting is that they separated the Punchliner uh, Comedy Club from the Limelight Lounge. Did I say that right? Limelight Lounge. Um, I don't know why they would do this because I guess maybe the ship is so big they just got to make venues. They had the space to do it. But there is uh, typically similar characteristics to these two types of rooms. They can be purposed for the exact same thing in most cases. But for some reason, they just wanted a comedy club. And then they wanted a separate lounge. And then what else do you do? And that always, basically, you'd find that ship. That I'm sorry, that that uh, that lounge at the aft portion of the ship, pushed all the way back, uh, maybe on deck five or deck six. And they would just kind of like do when they weren't doing the punchliner. They would do random performances with the house band. They would do karaoke. They would do contests or whatever. Uh, I, yeah, I'm just interested to see what you're going to do with two of those venues and all the other venues that are on the ship for that matter, but no big deal. They just separated and made two of those venues. I would imagine, here's my prediction. You can check me if I'm right or wrong. I don't know if there will be a nightclub on this ship. They'll probably use the Limelight Lounge for the nightclub. Let's go with a guess on that. All right, so the atrium. This is an interesting point of focus. The atrium and on Carnival, as you may or may not know, if you've seen on Carnival Cruises, they do these parties in the atrium. And what you like about these parties, because it seemed to not always be this way, but what I like about these parties is that they kind of organically develop into one of the funnest and best moments of your cruise. You don't expect it to happen. You The lobby, for me, mostly on most cruise ships, was always like a place of business. It's cool to chill in there for a little a little while, but for the mostly, you, you, for the most most part, you're you're dealing with something with guest services. You're maybe booking a shore excursion. You know, it's it's like where you where you line up for administrative duties on your cruise. But lo and behold, a couple of times throughout your cruise, there would be a event, and that event, whether you attended it on purpose whether you just walked by it and kind of got sucked in, there would be this tremendous amount of energy coming from the atrium. Usually it had to do with some type of cruise director-led, name that tune type of a situation or or a, you know any type of a party in general, quiz, trivia, but there's music involved with it. And then other than that, there's really some guy with a guitar just playing. You know what I mean? So I think Carnival has seen that kind of, uh, I guess, party atmosphere develop and evolve in the main atrium okay and what they did was pretty much for all intents and purposes turn it into a theater so now there's actual seating so now you're going to see the same parties and the same entertainment that you would see that would almost have like an impromptu spontaneous vibe in the main atrium now that's going to be more I guess, planned and produced. I don't know if that's a good thing. The argument for it is that now it is actually set up to do what it has been doing all along. The argument against it is, well, it's not going to feel as cool. It's not going to feel as like out of nowhere. It's not going to feel as though it's like it just kind of popped up. You know, everything you do in life is measured against your expectations of what it will be. When you just roll into that atrium and, oh, by the way, the best night of the ship, the biggest party with the cruise director and everybody involved just hits you in the face out of nowhere, you're like, holy shit, this was amazing. 
But when you say, okay, here's the party, get here, it's going to be a big event, be there. and then, you know, it brings the same level, but your expectations have been level uh, leveled up, now you're not necessarily as impressed. So I can see both things. That's the type of thing that is just going to have to play itself out. We will see. It does look gorgeous, though. Beautiful floor-to-ceiling windows, multi-level. As far as the aesthetics go, it's going to be very, very impressive, and I am pumped to see that and enjoy that. I do like it better than the whole, you know, I like the Dreamscape, whatever it was, that whole, like, uh, candy cane thing that that, that uh, kind of teared down and was interchangeable with an LED screen. That was cool. I liked it. But it was a little too, for me, it was like a little too, and then they would bring the, um, you know, celestial strings out. It was very not carnival-like. It was very uncarnival in that it was kind of... Um, too nice what's the word i'm looking for posh uh fancy i guess right just a little too fancy for what carnival usually brings to the table uh we'll see how this goes they also have a thing that i wouldn't necessarily say i'm excited about but it's worth mentioning uh the french quarter the french quarter is more of a design thing there's a couple of bars and a couple of venues in the french quarter that you could really impressive as far as the decor that they put in if the renderings are anything like what it's actually going to look like they are absolutely beautiful but again they look a little fancy a little bit high end i think a good time could be had in them and we'll see cool chill place to hang out but again they're kind of like just like a segue uh venues you know, you have a drink there and you get to the other place. You have a drink there and you go to dinner. You know, all that type of thing. Nothing really to speak of from my vantage point of like, okay, this is a real venue with a real draw and you're going to sit there and drink the night away in this place. I don't think so. Uh, they're changing things up, the whole Havana thing. They're keeping the Havana Cabana concept. And to me, they are improving it vastly. I mean, amazing. So they're going to have the Havana Lounge and Bar. The one thing I'm not sure on is if the Havana Lounge and Bar is exclusive to Havana Cabana guests. I don't know if they're going ship within a ship on that or not. I don't have that information yet. I looked a couple of, couple of different sites and a couple of different videos suggested one or the other, but I'm still not sure. But here's what I love. What they're doing is, you know, how on the back of the Vista class ships, they have on deck seven or eight or whatever it is, they have that Havana lounge. And then behind that, they have the pool, the aft pool, which is kind of resort style, Cuban themed. And you're looking off the side off the back of the ship with an infinity pool. Really nice place to hang out. Really chill place to kind of have a drink, watch the watch the wake and, uh, you know, hot tubs cool decor now they're offering that pool and it is going to be exclusive to havana cabana guests they're putting it in a different area so what that's going to allow for is to that same pool that used to be the havana pool exist but it's going to be the tides pool i believe no 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 no. that's the top pool that's the that's the um i believe that's the regular lido deck pool whatever there's going to be a pool back there and it's going to look just like the Havana pool on the on the Vista class ships, but it is going to be open to everybody. So I'm definitely pumped about that. I think that was a really, really strong move. Let's please everybody. The Havana people still have their own pool. You move that somewhere else near the Havana cabanas, but there is still that beautiful, gorgeous pool that clearly was very popular. So everybody jumped all over that and they were very, very upset because at one point it was available to the public after 7 p.m. 
they decided against that. The Havana Cabana people were very happy about it, but those people who were just really enjoying that that venue, that pool, didn't the access was denied, so you couldn't get there anymore. That would have upset me if I was because I really did enjoy myself on that pool. But yeah, there was the whole seven o'clock time limit, so it was exclusive to Havana Cabana people during the day, and then they would open up to the public at night. Now, no more open up to the public at night. But problem solved. They put a new pool in place somewhere else. And we're going to talk more about pools in a minute because uh, they added more pools to other areas. Now, let's talk about the Heroes Tribute Bar. This is the default sports bar on board. I did... um, I did mention how I felt about this before, and this may be a little bit of a controversial take on this. Uh, I don't love the theme. I don't love, you know, this is a tribute to veterans. It seems like it's U.S. veterans, uh, Americans. Uh, I see American flags, and it's a tribute to the brave soldiers who have fought and in many cases lost their lives to defend our freedom here in America. And uh, I love the sentiment. I am very patriotic, and I am completely in awe and in debt of everybody who has served in our, for our country, uh, especially those who have lost their lives in the heat of battle. Um, absolutely. But for me, when I go on a cruise, for a couple of reasons. A, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be thinking about war when I'm on a cruise, I'd like to raise a glass to the fallen heroes and raise a glass to everybody who served, but I'm not necessarily wanting to think about war while I'm on a ship. And I'm also thinking, I it's not because I'm I don't want it there. It's because I want I, I it's not because I'm not patriotic and and I'm not appreciative of that. It's because I'm too appreciative of the heroes. I I think certain things in life should be separated from each other. You know what I mean? And when you go into that venue. You know, going to go right from a drunken comedy club to a piano bar to a nightclub. And then, oh, by the way, yeah, Heroes Bar. Boom, more shots. Oh, then you look on the walls and you know what? You got to stop and reflect. And it's I, I just think the two emotions should be separate is all I'm saying. It's just different. Is this controversial or is it not? I don't know. I'm not trying to be. I am all for celebrating the heroes throughout our day-to-day life i will stand louder stand tall for the uh for the pledge of allegiance and the national anthem all of that stuff but you know i don't know does it belong on your fun cruise your drunken fun cruise to to the caribbean and it's the sports bar you know what i'm saying so like (laughs) i think we all know what sports are usually showing? Am I going to be like surrounded by a tribute to American, the American heroes and then having to watch cricket and Australian rules football on the TV? That's all I'm saying. All right, I'll move on from that. Tell me how you feel. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. There's a place called the Watering Hole. It is sort of aft. It's sort of like, um, it sort of like has the feel of like a boardwalk or a waterfront on Norwegian. But it is aft, and it's a nice place to have some drinks. Um, guys took over. So here's an interesting thing what they're doing. This is a different thing that they're doing on, the, on, on this cruise ship. I don't know if it's going to go on in the future. Now, guys pig and anchor. What that did was clearly take over. It basically said, make room for me. Red Frog, what, what was the Red Frog Pub? 
the Red Frog Pub was the place where they were doing all things like beer. Like they were doing, that was the brewery. That was where they were introducing the new beers and things like that. Guys, Pig and Anchor came in, took over, and basically assumed the brewery and the live music. And everything that the Red Frog Pub used to be, they kind of shifted that towards uh, Guy's Pig and Anchor. And they made an evolved version of it because they did a lot of craft cocktails. It's almost like you'd see cocktails on the level that you'd almost see in the, the Alchemy Bar. Alchemy Bar is always a little bit more probably towards the martinis. Guy's Pig and Anchor, crafty as hell. A lot of craft drinks. But it's more towards like the whiskeys, I would say. And like the old-fashioned type of stuff. Smoke-infused drinks and things like that. So what does that mean for the Red Frog Pub? I was thinking, you know what? Maybe this is going to eventually have to get phased out. But in a move that is clearly borrowing from what something Royal Caribbean has done with their amped uh, refurbishments on a lot of their ships, they are, you know, we talk a lot about these cruise ships borrowing things from each other. Clearly, Carnival saw what... Royal Caribbean did with the lime and coconut bar, that kind of two-level, it seemed like an island or a Polynesian type of a resort-style bar that kind of was a big presence on the Lido deck. You had the first level, and then the second level when you had a bunch of kind of like patio-style furniture. It really kind of catered towards bringing a little bit more of a after-sunset vibe, cocktails vibe, towards Royal Caribbean, which is new for them because normally Royal Caribbean is famous for once dinner hits, let's shut down the Lido decks. We don't really want to drive anybody outside anymore. We want it all to go into the Royal Promenade and that type of area. But this was the difference. This was a pivot. So now they put this thing in place called the Lime and the Coconut Bar, which is geared towards being their pool bar. Three levels, actually. Only two levels with a bar. But then they actually made it friendly to stay past the sunset, too. So people were partying on that, which is unique for a Royal Caribbean ship partying on the on the pool deck after dark and that was what the lime and coconut bar brought to the table carnival is clearly taking the red frog concept and repurposing it to kind of mimic that of the lime and coconut bar from royal caribbean and that's i think is a strong move i think it's a very very strong move and i'm looking forward to having many drinks there so you also have the aft pool bar the aft pool I mean, I can't I can't tell you how excited I am to have two aft pools that are accessible by all guests on board. Now, I'm wondering slash hoping that they are going to make one of those adults only. OK, one of my favorite things about the aft pool is that you can turn up the music a little bit. You know, get, it's a bunch of adults. You're away from the kids. No offense to the families. I want families to cruise. I'm very family oriented. I like and, and, and want to cruising at its best should always be a family thing but i want our, our our little getaways i want our little retreats where you know you can't the, the kids don't have access to speaking of a new improved serenity deck is on this ship you know serenity is not my thing because like the name tells you it's very freaking serene it's almost like a whole like real shutdown you're real quiet real relaxed you know that type of thing uh whereas the aft pool was adults only and is again hopefully and it had a little bit more energy to it so the serenity deck has a pool on this cruise ship that's a first its own pool it's towards the forward portion of the ship and uh it's a good time they also have on this ship they have a ship within a ship style concept a little bit with the excel suites so i mean these are 
gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous suites, uh, top to bottom, beautiful, beautiful place on the cruise ship, and it has its own kind of uh, waiting area, recreational area, kind of sunbathing area as well that is only accessible by the people who have purchased Excel Suites. So it's kind of interesting. There's really, when you think about it, two separate ship-within-a-ship concepts when you're talking about the Excel Suites and the Havana Cabanas. But um, that's what I'm excited about as far as Carnival Mardi Gras. They also um, have another sister ship of the Mardi Gras coming out. Now, this is a topic of, I guess, controversy as well. And it is whether or not you are in agreement with refurbishing names of old cruise ships. This is the second time they're doing this. Mardi Gras was a ship, the uh, first ever carnival ship back in the 70s. And they're using the name again. And people were wondering when they announced that, is that a good idea? Should that happen? Is that kind of being lazy with your imagination? Of course, there's no. It's they're not being lazy with their imagination because, you know, I mean, there's enough minds there to come up with names of ships. This was clearly done for a reason. Uh, I was somewhat against it. Not against it, against it. I just, again, I think it just takes away from the original ship. That is your... That is a historic ship. When somebody says Carnival Mardi Gras, right? Stay with me on this because I know a lot of you fought me on this. When someone says Carnival Mardi Gras, that is Carnival's first ever cruise ship. I think people should know exactly what you're talking about when you say Carnival Mardi Gras. Because in 15 years from now, people are going to be talking about cruising. I'm like, yeah, I went on Mardi Gras. I was on the Carnival Mardi Gras. Okay, well, which which one? The first one or the second one? You got you to gotta stop and you got to explain that. I think when people say I was on the Carnival Mardi Gras, you should be like, oh, wow, you were on the first ever Carnival ship. That's awesome. At this point, it's not. Or you could be on the most recent one. So they're doing it again. They're doing it again with the Carnival Celebration. The Celebration was an old uh, refurbished, I'm sorry, no, an old Carnival ship that has since been retired. And they're refurbish, They're re, uh, repurposing the name, I should say, for this sister ship of Mardi Gras. And this is going to be, again, like, listen, guys. They don't make they don't they don't go steps back when they make these cruise ships. So clearly, this is going to be the best cruise ship Carnival has. The Carnival Celebration, and they are going to name it that, and it's going to be even better than the Mardi Gras, probably. Here's where I have even more of a problem with that is because the very ship that it's named after, the very ship that Carnival operated, one of the first couple of Carnival ships, one of the first few Carnival ships is still in service. Well, Tommy, it's not a big deal. There's a lot of ships still in service. They go in, they go to different cruise lines, and they just change the name and become something else, right? No, it's still called the Celebration. So you have the original Carnival Celebration still out there, sailing on the Bahama Paradise Cruise Lines as the Grand Celebration. That's the original name of the ship. That's the original ship. And now you're going to have this thing come out, and it's going to be called the Celebration. So now there's two ships out there that are both called the Celebration, and they're both named after the same ship. And clearly, of course, it's no, uh, make no mistake, these are going to be two very different cruise ships. I understand that. But still, I think you could solve the whole problem by just numbering it. Mardi Gras 2, just like Queen Mary 2, right? Celebration 2. I understand that many people 
are not in agreement with me. I understand that this is a regular practice of cruise lines like Holland America. There's been like nine Rotterdams, I think, right? I don't know. But that's just my, uh, my, 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 my feeling on it. Last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the emails is what are we going to need and what, I guess, when, when do I think we are going to be going back to sea? Now, listen, we, we, again, this discussion is regularly, regularly had on the Patreon, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But again, I know a lot of you haven't heard it, so I'll just be brief if I can. Uh, the, I don't see anything happening. What I think cruise, what I think is going to happen with cruising is that there are going to be some late December sailings in the United States of America to the Caribbean. I don't know, whether they stop at ports or not, I don't know. But I think that there will be a push, a significant push to get some holiday dollars coming in. Again, this is all going to decide and it's going to be factored by whether or not we make progress and we mitigate the spread of this disease nationwide. The only reason these other countries are being able to put these sailings out is because they have gotten this virus. They haven't shut it down, but they've got it under relative control. When we're able to do that, the discussion will start. And when you hear about the CDC not talking to CLIA and CLIA stepping in and kind of putting its own mandate, self-imposed. The reason they're not communicating is because I think there is a non-starter out there. Why are you going to start putting protocols in place when when you really are not anywhere close to being in a position from the numbers to be able to, to being able to go back to sea? Now, knock on wood, uh, yes, things look have looked better in the past week. As far as the numbers, I'm just, I'm just like I said, my goal in anything is just improvement at any rate whatsoever. And this is a very slow rate of improvement, but it's been improvement nonetheless. So if we can start to see that kind of improvement continue, and I really do believe that, you know, we could do ourselves a service by following some of the guidelines. And, you know, despite where we think it might be an inconvenience, maybe kind of uh, go along with some of it, as annoying as it is. It does take a lot. And acknowledging the fact that it's your decision to do that, it's your right to not comply. It is absolutely your American right as an American to say, no, you do not have to do that. I'm an American. You cannot make me do this or make me do that. But maybe it's in our interest to go with the suggestions. Maybe. Even if we want to just get back to see, because these numbers are going to have to go down. These new cases, these deaths, these existing cases, they're going to have to go down, especially in the key hot zones. They're going to have to go down because a lot of the hot zones are exactly where we're trying to cruise out of. And when that happens, then there'll be some real viable discussions between the CDC and the cruise lines. And then we could talk about making this happen slowly. So I do think a couple of New Year's Eve cruises are going to happen um, carefully. They may not even be the most enjoyable cruise you go on because of the fact that there's going to be so much, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be so many protocols put in place that many people are going to be like, you know, this isn't what I cruise for. But again, baby steps. You got to start somewhere. So that's what I think. I think that's what's going to happen. I think the the trajectory is making sure that we get these numbers down. When the numbers are down to a certain level, they will resumes or, or or even initiates serious talks 
And those serious talks are going to be a while. They're going to go back and forth. And the CDC is going to be more strict than probably what they are overseas. And then it'll get going. And then hopefully it'll go well. And then things can evolve from there. So I think what you're looking at is a return to cruising late to mid to late December on a very, very microscopic level. Then they'll start adding cruises in. There'll be a slow add up until March. March, I think, will be by March will be about 75% back. And then I would say probably towards the summer, at least maybe the beginning to the midsummer, there'll be a full resumption of cruising everywhere. That's my prediction, guys. It's on record. You can make fun of me if I'm wrong or you can praise me if uh, I'm right. All right, let's do some emails. Ladies and gentlemen, your emails have become a lifeblood of the show. We appreciate them. Hit me up at Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. We welcome your suggestions, your corrections, your questions, your comments, everything. Whatever you got on your mind, we want to hear about it. Again, this is a lot of people's favorite part of the show, and I want to keep that going. I would like to, dare I say, expand this portion of the show, but we got to work with the emails we got. I do understand there being a little bit of a lull in emails this week because of the fact that, well, you haven't done a show in six weeks. But here we are. We do have three. Let's get it on. Tommy. I've been listening to your podcast for about a year and a half, and I am now a member of the Patreon. I want to let you know that no matter what topic you choose to talk about, I will listen. Your voice is calming to me, and I love when you go off on tangents. You have become part of my morning routine, and it wouldn't be the same without you. I'm not going to do an introduction, however, because I absolutely hate my voice. I've got the southern accent, and it's something I've been self-conscious about my entire life, even though I was born and raised in Tennessee. Mainly, mainly Memphis, but now Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro, outside of Nashville. If you do happen to go through Memphis on your road trip, the barbecue you need to eat is Central Commissionary or One and Only, which is fairly new. The other ones are overrated and where uh, and were good when I was a kid, but have become commercialized since they are now popular. Also, Huey's is a great local Memphis place for burgers and fried pickles. Thanks again for continuing to put out content in this depressing time. Your YouTube video was dead on and gives me hope. Sorry if I'm all over the place. It's just I just wanted to get everything in you requested. Uh, I hope my punctuation is correct. Boat drinks. Christy. Christy, thank you so much for that email. I'll start by saying the beginning of your email. When you talk about, you know, uh, just wanted to kind of hear me go off and ramble and you know my voice is calming and it's part of your day i think i would speak for any podcaster anybody who ever did radio anything whatsoever anybody whatsoever in that kind of space that would say that's why we do what we do you know what i mean to hear emails and comments like that is absolutely the reason that's the goal of course we want to make money of course we want to you know be able to earn a living but you know we we can earn a living many ways if we choose to try to earn a living or attempt to go in that direction because getting your attention and joining you on your morning run or as you fire up the podcast to do your Monday, your laundry, your yard work, whatever you do, clean the house, anything, to be able to have a place in your home and kind of have you continuously feel as though 
I am part of that is or any of us are part of that is really kind of like like I said why I think we do what we do and I appreciate you saying that it wouldn't be the same without me um the uh so the southern accent you have uh you're self-conscious about your southern accent I listen everybody's fighting their own battles I get it but I don't understand that one a southern accent who who is not absolutely enamored by a really good down-home southern accent i absolutely love it so i know i get it a lot of people like my new york accent a lot of people absolutely will refuse to listen to this show and i know that a lot of people would like to listen to this show other than the fact that they just can't stand the way i talk (laughs) so there's uh different strokes for different folks but i would absolutely uh love to hear that southern accent i think it's uh it's one of the it's one of the, my favorite accents, period. End of story. And I do appreciate the suggestions on the barbecue. If that road trip does happen, it doesn't look like it's going to happen on this run, per se, but it will happen eventually. I'm definitely planning at some point to get in some sort of a residential vehicle and do a lap around the good old USA. And when I do, I, I wanted Tennessee is a state that fascinates me. Why? I always think of the four cities in Tennessee. Like you can name four solid cities, and I'm from New York, so why would Tennessee be on my radar? I can't name four cities in Kentucky, really. I, don't, I could name four cities in Kentucky. But like for, for whatever reason, in Tennessee, I was like, maybe it was, I think it was wrestling because wrestling would always roll through Tennessee, and it was Nashville, Memphis, Chatt- Chattanooga. Oh, what's the other one? Chattanooga, Tennessee, and... Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga. There's another one. Guys, I may have to Google this. I'm not going to do that. I won't do that to you right now. But, you know, of course, Nashville because of the country music, although I know it's not very country anymore. It's become very kind of, it's like Nash Vegas, and it's like the Hollywood of country music, so it's very commercialized. But I would still love to experience it. As a city, as just a, you know, I would also love to check out Memphis. A little bit more of the, you know, lives in the shadow of Nashville a little bit. But in its own right, you have Elvis there. You have really good barbecue. So I definitely want to check out Memphis at some point as well. And all the things you mentioned there. So, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning the YouTube video, guys. If you haven't checked out my last YouTube video, please do. I'm trying to get this thing to go viral, put a lot of hard work into it, and it's basically a call to arms for us to stay positive and bring up some really cool memories about cruising and keep us focused towards having good energy towards the future of cruising. It's definitely, definitely cheesy, 100%. But you know what? Sometimes cheesy is good. But either way, Christy, I so appreciate this email. Everything you've said, it doesn't matter that you're all over the place. It was just a great email, and the punctuation was at least good enough for me to get through without having to uh, reread what I was reading. Uh, Moving on, Tommy, two weeks ago, I decided that I was going to unplug for a while. I committed to 30 days with no news, no social media, no internet, etc. I have to say I am enjoying it so much that I have decided to try and make it a permanent change. I deleted all my social media accounts and I am living a life of ignorant bliss. There was only one thing that I genuinely missed and could not do without for 30 days and that was your show. I know what a junkie I must feel like. I know, uh, he says, I know what a junkie must feel like, although... 
I thought I was 100% committed to this 30-day experiment. I had to get my ABB fix. So I am furiously catching up on the two weeks worth of missed episodes, and I have to say thank you so very much for what you do. I'm really glad you make this show available to us. It is an important part of my day. I only hope that one day you don't start pushing heroin or hookers or something because I'm pretty sure I would follow you right down that rabbit hole. Thanks, Ed. Well, I certainly didn't want this to be. I always, I've always made it a point to say, and who am I? Like I, I say, like you know, tell. If I'm going to ask you to email me, I shouldn't be telling you what to email me. Who, who, who am I really to do that? But at the same time, I do kind of ask that. I don't, I don't necessarily want to read all these glowing kind of reviews. Uh, not to say that I don't appreciate them so much. I really, really do. And this is functional too, I guess, because it kind of speaks to you kind of stepping away. But I didn't want it to be like a blow fest of all my you know, greatest hits and everybody kind of, you know, I just didn't want to do that. But I do appreciate it so much. Like, you know, you had to come off of a, 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 a media ban because you had to get your ABB fix in. That is very, very humbling and appreciative. And he's talking about every day the Patreon. We mentioned it before. You do get an extra show every single day, and I will. You know, a lot of people think I went away. A lot of people are hearing this, and they haven't heard from me in, you know, over a month. But uh, you can hear from me every single night of the week. It's patreon.com slash booked for $5 a month. I'm in your ear every single day. Then uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as Ed. Um, but yeah, Ed, I gotta say we can't. We're not gonna be doing hookers and heroin. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna be a pimp. I'm not gonna push heroin. So you have no danger in running down that rabbit hole. And uh, I'm glad you were able to catch up on the two weeks. And Ed, it would not be the same without you. You're the man. I really appreciate it. Tommy, I am so excited you're going to Bermuda. I wanted to share a couple of things with you that I know the average person might not know. There's a ferry from the dockyard you can take over to St. George. In old times, when a woman would gossip, they would tie her to a chair and dunk her in the water. They reenact this. (laughs) By the way, Scott, what's going on, man? Listen, I got a little bit of a heat, a little bit of heat from last night's Patreon because I went anti-PC and I was making fun of like, uh, um, I guess, what would you call it? Cancel culture. And I was talking about some of the names of the excursions and saying that, oh, you got to know that's canceled. That's going to be shut down. You can't go here anymore because of the title of that. I was just kidding. You know what I mean? Scott, Scott, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm down with going to visit that fort. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. But, yeah, it was really kind of being more tongue-in-cheek. I mean, yeah, hopefully you've, we've all learned by now. Um, very, very rarely should you take anything I say seriously. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so this is along those lines. The, in old times, when a woman would gossip too much, they would tie her to a chair and dunk her in the water. Apparently men didn't gossip, I guess, right? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this email does not reflect the uh, thoughts. And what I'm kidding around. In old times, when a woman should would gossip, they would tie her to a chair and dunk her in the water. They reenact this, so they celebrate this moment. Listen, back in the day, we used to do this really cool thing. We'd put a woman, you know, she'd run in her mouth too much. You know how they can do. You know how they they do sometimes. We'll tie her to a chair, and then what we would do is dunk her in the water. And then maybe next time she starts opening her mouth about Susie down the street and who she's banging, maybe she'll think twice. So 
we did that back in the day. That's an old practice. But damn, you know what? I'll be damned if we're not going to reenact it every once in a while to remind people of the good old days. <laughs> and then she says, hopefully you can see this and talk about it on your show. Yeah, I might have to see that, actually. I might have to check that out. When we went, it was a holiday, and they didn't do it. It's one of the things I wanted to see, so I guess I'll have to go back. There's a lady there that runs her own tour company. Her Facebook page is called Byways Tours Bermuda. She shares a lot of information on her page. You must see Horseshoe Beach. The sand is really pink. When you get off your ship, there is a roundabout and lots of taxis and buses. The buses charge $5 each way to wherever you're going. It's not awful, but when you try to come back, you have to wait forever. They do have tiny little cars called Twizy. It seats two people. I don't think the cost to rent one was terrible, but you have to buy their inns and I th- they're buy their inns and I think they were a bit pricey. Um, you have to buy their inns. I don't know what an inn is, but either way, it sounds like they're a little pricey. The ferry over to St. George was free. Hamilton is like their city. It probably would have been fun to visit, but everything was closed when we were there. If you want to know anything else, I'll be happy to share with you what I know. I can't wait to hear how your trip goes, Tracy. Tracy, I appreciate all that information, and uh, that's really good stuff. We're definitely going to check out Hamilton. Uh, we may pick up a Twizy. If uh, the inns aren't too expensive, um, the uh, I definitely have to see that. If they're dunking women for talking too much, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm playing around, guys. I'm kidding around. But I just, you know, I realized this isn't South Carolina. This is Bermuda, you know. So Bermuda is not necessarily um, subject to the same cancellation culture movements that we are. So they're gonna do what they want to do, and. Uh, Yeah, if they reenact dumping a woman in a chair for too much gossip, that is the most random and weirdest thing I've ever heard, probably. I'm going to be thinking about that 16 times today, Tracy. So I'll be thinking of you, Tracy, 16 times today or tomorrow, the day after maybe. But who knows? Yeah, the ferry and everything else. We got three days there. You know what I mean? Two nights and basically, for the most part, three days. So we're going to enjoy every moment of it. And Tracy, if you think of anything along the way as far as uh, suggestions or whatever, let me know. Cones, I want to thank you in this welcome back episode. I want to appreciate, I want to let you know my appreciation for your support in every way, shape, or form. I want to remind you to check out the Facebook group, the Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel Lounge. We do a lot of our community building in there. We break each other's chops. We ask each other questions. We give each other suggestions and share pictures, things like that. You know, basically doing Facebook group things in there. So we really, really do appreciate that. I do have an Instagram if you haven't seen it. Always be booked on Instagram. I really would love some love on the YouTube channel, especially that last video. Always be booked on YouTube. The Patreon we mentioned at nauseum. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, that's about it. You guys are the absolute best boat drinks cones. There's a place where the boat leaves from. It takes away I love your big problems, you could worries, you could drive them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Take one part sand, one part sea, and one part shade of a nine on tree And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot and I know this is the place for me Get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away I love your big problems, you could worries, you could drive them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from, Jimmy
But you're right there There's a perfectly good island somewhere Where all ride the boats And don't grab your coat You won't need it where we are going Get away To where the boat leaves from It takes away All of your big problems You can worry You can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away To where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down, down in the sand where it's cool Put me down, and when I fall on my stool Put me down, I'll just leave there till morning comes down With sunshine, ten ladies, and pina coladas And Bob Marley songs that I'm playing There's a song in my ear that I want you to hear Soft tropical lips that are singing Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from So get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You can worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the So get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from